It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. We are recording this episode in the middle of a big health crisis, a pandemic. It's March 25th, 2020. And today's topic is about World Health Day, which happens on April 7th. And this episode will be coming out on April 6th. So I thought this could be an interesting topic, not just because it's timely for this episode, but because it's important to pay attention to the health of the whole world. And what's interesting is I didn't really know that much about World Health Day. It is designed to give people access to healthcare without the prospect of financial hardship, which feels incredibly timely right now as the economy is struggling around the world. And so are people's health, right? So healthcare is incredibly important in this time. Yeah, I think that one of the beautiful opportunities with coronavirus and COVID-19 situation that we're all facing in this moment is it appears to me because I've been going on Instagram live every single day and interacting with people and both Whitney and I have sent out emails to our our mailing list just really wanting to hear from people hear how they're doing on an emotional and physical level and one of the things that I have heard pretty consistently is that this is an opportunity for people to reevaluate how they're taking care of themselves and I think certainly as in so many cities, including Los Angeles, where Whitney and I are based, there's a you know mandatory quarantine and a lockdown. And I think that people are, at least from what I'm hearing, getting an opportunity to really look at how they're doing their self-care and that it's not just a meme or a trending hashtag on Instagram, that it's an actual thing of, if I'm locked indoors for two, three, four, five weeks, we actually have no idea here in Los Angeles how long that's going to be because it's an indefinite quarantine. It's interesting when you're alone and you get to look at your lifestyle habits and how you're living your life, how you're treating yourself, how you're eating, your financial habits. I mean, for me, especially Whitney, in terms of looking at my health and I don't know, I guess hearing from people, it's been an interesting journey to see how people Mm -hmm. are handling this and reevaluating their lives, truly. Right. Well, it's. I think it's an an important time to talk about this and who knows what will happen in between the day that we're recording and and the day that this episode goes live. And and, and so it's definitely interesting as podcasters wondering how to address something when it takes a week, a week and a half, sometimes two weeks for episodes to come out. I guess at this point, we don't really know what will happen tomorrow. And right now (laughs) in Los Angeles, where each of us live, we have been expecting to be in quarantine, in uh, physical distancing, and just a lot of self-isolation for the most part uh, for another few weeks. It just started last week. The city placed an order for people to stay home. And so I assume that when this episode comes out, we'll still be in the same place and hopefully things will be getting better and not worse. But I I definitely want to talk about World Health Day and what that means. Mm -hmm. And it's designed to stimulate a global health debate on the global burden of disease and the factors causing this. Wow. (laughs) It's 
it's really interesting because I don't think that that's going to be very challenging to discuss because people are discussing that every day. And it's funny when you see things like this. I think World Health Day started in 1948, maybe for the past few decades, we kind of had to encourage each other to talk about disease and the factors causing it and considering how the entire world was impacted. And right now, that's the conversation most people are having, right? Yeah. This actual line, the global burden of disease is something that is very, very relevant right now. Each year, this day will focus on a different topic related to health. So as usual, I'm pulling up a few different websites to learn about this theme, this daily theme. (laughs) And um, yeah, as I said, it, it started in 1948 and was held by the World Health Organization. And it's been celebrated on every 7th of April. So it started around 1948, 1950, and the aim was to focus on the issues of global healthcare by sharing a simple message that giving healthcare without financial hardship. And I think that's incredibly important because right now, I think a lot of people are thinking about their finances and wondering, should they spend money on things and what should they spend their money on? And that's been an interesting topic recently, especially for the two of us working in in the health and well-being world, just hearing all the different perspectives about how to take care of yourself right now and all of the different debates that have come up as a result of that. It also has, there's been a, a theme every year for World Health Day. And I think the theme for 2020 is really interesting because this is the International Year of the nurse and midwife. And so 2020 is focused on the key role played by nurses and midwives. And that's also incredibly important for us to really honor and show gratitude towards all of the people working at the hospitals right now. I think it's been really interesting just seeing that they have to continue to go to work when a lot of people around the world are staying at home. And they're putting themselves at risk every single day to go into the hospitals and be around people that have the coronavirus, right? And they're also working incredibly long hours. I imagine their stress levels are through the roof. So I'd also love to talk about just how important it is for us to celebrate these people that are doing things that I can't imagine during this time. Yeah, it's it's a time for reverence, right? Because... The word privilege comes up a lot lately in conversation, and not in a damning way or in a judgmental way, but the fact that we're here in quarantine and we have food and we have water and we have shelter and we're not on the front lines like first responders and doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals and people delivering our food, delivering our packages, the people that are literally putting themselves at risk every single day to keep society moving forward. And it's interesting because it's almost this illusion that things are shut down, but they're not. I mean, yes, of course, things like bars and restaurants are not providing food, movie theaters, all the sports teams. The Olympics, actually, we heard yesterday in Tokyo got postponed till 2021, but there are an innumerable number of people, quote, behind the scenes, keeping things moving forward and keeping people healthy and making sure that people with medical needs are being seen and tended to. And I think it's wonderful, Whitney, you're bringing this up because just to have a moment of acknowledgement and reverence for these people and also realizing how fortunate we are 
to get to be at home recording this podcast, reevaluating our lives, engaging in self-care. As you describe this, it's something I'm definitely not taking for granted. I think it also highlights, and this is a tangent, but the fragility of our societal structure. I think one thing that all of us are looking at, not only in terms of our healthcare system, our own personal health and habits and lifestyle, but in general, how precarious certain frameworks of our society have been, and perhaps that we need to reevaluate those things. And you know, one thing that I keep seeing in terms of healthcare, um, it was kind of a, a funny meme regarding uh, nationalized healthcare and socialism and Bernie Sanders. And I don't want to turn this in necessarily into a political podcast right now, but it was interesting how people were, there was, you sent it to me yesterday, how everyone was like, yeah, you know, everyone was like, oh, we don't want socialized healthcare. We don't want free healthcare. And now all of a sudden in the middle of this pandemic, everybody wants free healthcare. Mm -hmm. So that contrast in the middle of this crisis, this worldwide crisis has been interesting now where I think certain people who have previously dismissed the idea of nationalized free healthcare uh, and so many other things that, that the government in many other countries provides, now people are maybe reconsidering that, which is fascinating to think about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm really glad that this episode is coming out before World Health Day. So if you're listening to this on April 6th, the day before, or April 7th, which is the actual day, there's a lot that you can do. So here's an article from the World Health Organization and what you can do during this day to celebrate and also to recognize the nurse and the midwife. So their goals are to trigger a wave of public appreciation for the work of nurses and midwives and the part that they play in delivering healthcare, to raise the profile of nurses and midwives within the health workforce, and to catalyze support and investment in nurses and midwives. Some of their call to actions are to show that appreciation and thank them for what they do to keep you healthy. So you could actually reach out to any nurses that you know. Isn't our friend Debbie a nurse, Jason? That's correct. Yeah. In San Luis Obispo. Let's give her a shout out. Debbie Chu. Let's give Debbie Chu. So yeah, if you guys actually want to check out a really good friend of ours who is a really wonderful content creator on Instagram and YouTube, she is a nurse. She's in the healthcare industry right now. Her name is Debbie Chu. Her handle is Chu on Vegan, which is super creative. I love it. Just one of the sweetest, most generous down-to-earth people. She's a, an absolute gem and want to give you a, a shout-out, Debbie, and to the listener if you guys want to check someone out who has a professional healthcare background and also promoting plant-based living. She's a phenomenal person to follow. She is, for sure. Any other nurses come to mind that you know personally, Jason? I know, which is strange considering all of the people we know in the, just the general wellness and healthcare field. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Debbie's just, the only, at least right now, the only one that comes to mind. I feel the same way and I, it feels really strange. I know I must be missing someone. I, I feel really bad if somebody I know personally is listening and they're like, hey, what about me? <laughs> uh, I'm sure someone will come to mind later and I'll, I'll bring it up. And I also don't know if I know any midwives. How about you, Jason? I do. Well, I, I know a lot of doulas. And right. So yeah, shout out to my dear friend, Ella Lauser, who's a, mm-hmm. a doula. Yep. There's also a friend in Detroit, Alexandria Magic, who is a Detroit midwife and doula. I also want to give a, a shout out to my dear friend, Pamela Samuelson, who does an incredible mm. amount of birthing work and female reproductive health work. Yeah, um, I believe her handle on Instagram is Embody Work LA. She does a tremendous amount of sex and reproductive education as well. So 
And also, Whitney, you know, the shout out to a lot of the doctors we know. I mean, there's probably too many to mention right now, but we have so many colleagues and friends that are medical doctors. They aren't necessarily ER doctors per se, but the doctors who are putting out content right now on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, doing their part to share information about not only the current crisis, but how to keep ourselves healthy year round. You know, and I I think, again, a little bit of a tangent, I think that's part of the larger conversation of keeping ourselves healthy is not necessarily just the antiviral protocols or the immune boosting protocols during this current time, but how do we keep ourselves healthy year round? And I think that macro conversation is one that I've been touching on. And I'm glad to see that becoming part of the the generalized conversation as well. Absolutely. And it's certainly not, this episode isn't meant to leave out anybody. It's just simply because the World Health Day theme is the International Year of the Nurse and the Midwife. So we're placing a little bit more emphasis on them. But I think anybody that works in the healthcare fields should be acknowledged. And there are so many of them. And another thing that you can do is to call on your local leaders to do more support to nurses and midwives and make investments that enable them to work to their full potential. And I hope that once this pandemic slows down and dissipates in whatever way that and form that will look like, that people are going to start to reevaluate healthcare and really think about what made a difference and, and what's broken in this system. I think it's incredibly important to think about that right now to share your opinion online in a constructive way. And speaking of which, you can use hashtags. So a lot of times when we're posting on social media, hashtags are a really great way to get your posts seen and to be part of the conversation. So two hashtags that you can use on any platform, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, all these different places you might be posting. You can use hashtag World Health Day and by the way, you don't just have to post when you, with the hashtags. You can just go use the hashtags to search and find content. And I actually pulled up some on Twitter to read out loud just to see what people are sharing today as we're recording. And the second hashtag to look into and to use in your own posts is hashtag support nurses and midwives. And both of them pulled up some really great things on Twitter. So I wanted to read some of these. Let's see. A lot of people are posting things like infographics, which is interesting. You can learn a lot of things about um, what's going on. There's a couple posts busting myths, which I think is really interesting as well. It's certainly been fascinating for me to see how people have been responding to COVID-19 and posting like, hey, did you know if you did this, you can protect yourself? And <laughs> Maybe we can take a little tangent there, Jason, because this is something we've been talking a lot about personally. And it's a delicate subject because it certainly isn't meant to make fun of anybody, discredit them, or I don't necessarily want to start a debate, but we can kindly talk about the interesting different opinions that have been coming up during this time. So what what made me think about that is on Twitter, I saw people talking about World Health Day and then also myth. And one myth that was going around is that hand dryers were effective in killing the coronavirus because people have found that the coronavirus can be killed in high heat or can't survive in high heat. So people thought, oh, well, if I just use a hand dryer, that'll keep me safe, right? And so there was a little infographic going around from the World Health Organization about this. 
I mean, I think this whole situation feels like sort of an episode of Mythbusters in general. Um, I think one of the most challenging parts of this from a mental health perspective and a psychological perspective is not knowing what's true and what's false. And to me, just the absolute deluge and bombardment of information every single day. First of all, that's one part of it is knowing when to shut your phone off and stop watching TV and stop watching the newsfeed on your computer. Because I think that there is, first of all, a tipping point in terms of mental health where I and other people I've talked to this week have felt so overwhelmed and feel anxiety and stress creeping in because Mm. of over-consuming information. And I think that there's a line between being, quote, well-informed, but not so much information that we freak ourselves out because there's so much conflicting information still on what kills the virus, what doesn't kill the virus, which immunity antiviral protocols work, which ones don't. And there just seems to be, much like, I guess, science and research studies in general, so much conflicting information that's pro this strategy and anti another strategy. Mm -hmm. The state of confusion, I think, is extremely high right now. And that's from the governmental perspective, from the CDC, from the NIH, from the WHO. I mean, we have so many governing bodies and so many world governments telling us sometimes conflicting information as well. So I think if I could speak to really quick, because you invited the tangent that The most challenging part I am finding, and again, reaching out to people this week, as you and I have both done, Whitney, on email and through social media, the mental health and emotional side of this is that people feel an incredible amount of existential confusion and dread because we don't know what's true. Mm. We just don't know what's true. And that's very hard Mm. to navigate not only how to take care of ourselves from a mental and physical perspective, But if we have loved ones that are elderly or immunocompromised or people that are at higher risk, what is the best protocol in which to engage them? I just certainly physical distancing right now has been, I feel like a consistent theme, obviously, with us on quarantine. But I think as we drill down into the nitty gritty of where did the virus come from? What caused it? What is its origins? Was it man-made? Did it come from rotting animals? Was it something that nature released? Is it I don't even want to get into the conspiracy stuff because that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> it's Bill Gates. Is it George Soros? Is it a satanic Hollywood cult? I mean, it's so- I love how so, you're like, I'm not going to get into it, but then- <laughs> I did. I, I, I had- it, You but couldn't resist. <laughs> I couldn't resist because it's there's so much, Whitney, that it's like, my God. And I don't see a lot of necessarily humility in this, if I may. I see a lot of people like, this is the way to kill the virus, and this is where it right. came from, and this is the conspiracy that's true, and this person's a pedophile, and this person's implanting microchips, and it's like, oh my God, I'm getting to the point where I kind of feel like I want to shut the phone and the computer off and not look at it for a few days because it's so much that this morning I had a moment where I'm like, I don't think I can handle all this anymore. And maybe that's an important thing to examine, and I think it's great that you brought that up because you're certainly not alone in feeling that. And I actually don't see nearly as much as you do, Jason. Like You're listing out a bunch of things that I have no idea about. It's showing me that either we're getting our information from different sources and or I'm not as like paying as much attention to it as you are. And it's tough right now because you think, well, I want to stay informed because that might help with my own safety. Right. But I also don't want to get into information overload because I don't want it to confuse me. And I think this is an ongoing thing with health is so many people 
want to learn, but yet feel incredibly confused because there's information coming from all different sides, so much conflicting information. And it can actually be very debilitating. A lot of people just say, you know what? I don't know who to believe, so I'm not even going to try. Yes, absolutely. Everybody's saying different things, so I might as well just pick something because I could be right or I could be wrong. And I, it's that almost defeatist mentality or so overwhelmed people start to shut down or they don't care anymore, right? And I think a lot of that's happening. And what's interesting is there's definitely signs of ignorance or people saying, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to do whatever I want. The big thing that's happening right now as we're recording and has been happening for the past week, I don't know how much longer this will go on for, but you know, people going out into public and not following the orders of physical distancing or people that just continue about their lives in all different ways when they might be putting other people at risk. And perhaps they don't know any better, or perhaps they heard conflicting advice. And so they're just assigned to do whatever they want to do because, again, they don't know who to believe. And I think that's where things can get really tricky. Yeah. And I'm glad that you extrapolated this on a more macro perspective in terms of health and wellness. And yeah, the absolute confusion that some people feel because on the one hand, we have this wonderful access to all of this information right now. In 2020, when we're recording this in the digital age, we have, I mean, literally something happens across the world right now in Italy or China or Iran, especially in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. We get news minutes after it's happening across the world, which is in some ways absolutely wonderful. And I think that the counter side to that, though, is is the information overload you're talking about. And in terms of health and wellness, You'll see a study come out that says, for example, you know, okay, the saturated fat in something like coconut oil is good for you. The MCTs give you energy. It's actually a good saturated fat. It helps boost healthy hormone levels. And then a few months later, you get a completely antithetical study that says, actually, coconut oil will kill you and it's going to destroy the endothelial lining in your heart and you shouldn't do coconut oil. And then people are looking at that going, wait, one study said coconut oil is good for me. (laughs) And This one's completely contradicting it with perhaps as plausible research. So Mm. I think this is an ongoing thing where if someone takes a hardline stance that, you know, this is the way, veganism is right for the entire world, paleo is right for the entire world, or keto, or raw food, or being a fruitarian. I mean, there's a quadrillion things that we could highlight in terms of health and wellness I think there's a deep desire in a lot of people to have the answer. Like, I've found the answer. This is the way to live. This is the way to eat. This is the way to move my body. And we see a lot of conflict amidst these camps sometimes of feeling like, well, we have the evidence and we have the research studies and we have the documentaries. So this is the way. Mm -hmm. But to your point, Whitney, a person who is trying to relandscape their health and make a difference, and I'm sure there are a lot of people, perhaps a lot of listeners to this podcast that are like, yeah, I feel super confused and at odds right now. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the thing that I always go back to is gradual conscientious experimentation. Yes. Ooh, that's great. Gradual conscientious experimentation because we have to acknowledge that, and this is a scientific thing that we know, is that every seven years, every seven-year cycle on a cellular level, our bodies are completely rejuvenating themselves. So 
the collection mm-hmm. of cells that makes up your body right now, yours, Whitney, and the listener and mine, is different than the collection of cells biologically that we had in our body seven years ago in 2013. So knowing that, I think there's a natural evolution and experimentation that has to take place with our health and wellness. We're changing hormonally. We're changing chemically. We're aging. Our cells are changing. Our nutritional needs are therefore changing. And so I think gradual conscientious experimentation and relieving ourselves of any dogma, I really think that that's a good baseline to jump off of. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, going back to this topic, I pulled up some posts on Twitter. And let's see, I also found out actually, this is interesting, that it's not just World Health Day tomorrow, but we're as the time that this has been posted in the middle of World Health Worker Week. And I don't know how official that is. Sometimes people claim days and weeks on their own. This might be a new... Th- oh, no, actually just found the info. Is 2013 World Health Worker Week started. And it's imp- incredibly important, as we were saying earlier, to recognize any of the health workers for their tireless efforts to save lives and enable economic growth in their communities. So some of the posts that I pulled up, again, I haven't fact-checked all of this, but this does look like it's coming from the World Health Organization, so I think it's true. One post said that globally, 70% of the health and social workforce are women, and many of them are nurses and midwives. Wow, 70%. According to this statistic I pulled up, Wow, that's extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then similarly, from another post, this one doesn't look quite as verified, but let's just go with it. Unless somebody listening wants to be a fact checker. Nurses and midwives account for nearly 50% of the global health workforce. Wow. Well, spectacular. I mean, in a sense, it, it, I'll just say what I need to, who cares? It's our podcast. We say whatever we want to say. Um, (laughs) women, tend to be, or those identifying in an energetic gender role as a female, tend to be more nurturing than men, tend to be. So mm-hmm. that doesn't surprise me. Right. Yep. It's really interesting, too. I, I'm going to link in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you go to the podcast section, we have show notes for every single episode. And in this episode, we will link to six reasons by why 2020 is the year of the nurse. And it's a really wonderful in-depth article from dailynurse.com sharing a lot about the history. And it's a really great way to be educated about this and, and to understand what nurses do and why it's important to support them. The other thing I wanted to uh, bring up quickly too is, and this is tangential, but also related uh, in a sense, there's an amazing article that I read yesterday, Whitney, from a, a writer. He's um philosopher and an author from Israel named uh, Yuval Noah Harari. And he wrote the book Sapiens and also uh, Homo Deus. And he talks a lot about interweaving of healthcare, socioeconomics, leadership, and uh, human evolution. It's this really, really interesting way that he kind of puts all these puzzle pieces together. And he had an interesting article that I'd love to link to in the show notes, which I believe was on The Guardian, where he talks, he interweaves a lot about our modern healthcare system in that article. And he talks about kind of like where we are heading as a society after all of, oh, he's in the Financial Times. I'm sorry. It's a free article called The World After Coronavirus in the Financial Times. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. It is a 
phenomenal read. I mean, and what are some of the highlights of it? The highlights are, it's a long article. So whomever wants to undertake this, it it is not a (laughs) quick read. The article starts and I won't read the whole thing, but he says, this storm will pass, but the choices we make now could change our collective lives for years to come. Mm -hmm. He talks about the emergency measures from a healthcare perspective. He talks about surveillance right now. He talks about the integration of technology and basically the opposition of human rights versus protective measures that in emergency situations that sometimes we are willing to give up some of our human rights for protection. And he talks about that in terms of not only surveillance, but in terms of soap. Like, so he talks about how it's only a recent, I mean, a relatively recent discovery that in the 19th century, this is not that long ago, 19th century is not that long ago, that scientists discovered the importance of washing our hands with soap. Like, that's extremely recent. So previous to the 19th century, he goes on that doctors and nurses would proceed from one surgical operation to the next without washing their hands. Yes. That's mind-blowing. Think about that. And I'm to- aware. I've I've read that multiple times and it never yeah. ceases to amaze me because it just shows a lot of the things that we take for granted could be relatively recent, right? Like there's so much when we really put things in perspective, we realize they have not been in our lives as human beings for that long. And yet we just think it's normal life. Like this is the way it's always been. Yeah. And I think this is good because now... <laughs> We do kind of take this knowledge and this awareness for granted that, oh, hot water plus soap can kill a lot or most of the bacteria and viruses that previously would endanger people's lives during very common invasive medical procedures. And again, the 19th century was not that long ago. I mean, we're talking, you know, the late 1800s when they made these discoveries. So humanity has not had this awareness or that knowledge that long in terms of our history of being on the planet. And it also gives me hope and faith that the discoveries yet to come will maybe by the end of our lifetimes or the generations following us be that self-evident too. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also shedding light on why it's taken so much education during this time. It seems so obvious to wash your hands. And yet that is the number one piece of information that's been spread around over the past few weeks as if it's not a basic thing that you should be doing. And I found it fascinating because it actually showed me how infrequently I was washing my hands. And that was the other interesting element of this. It's not just about what happens in the hospitals, which was part of your point, Jason, right? Yeah, it's not just in the in terms of our professional medical people that are obviously literally saving lives day to day. And I think about two situations, Whitney, in this particular context that are, I kind of shudder a little bit, and I hope that people will carry these protective measures and self-care practices of hand-washing forward after we're out of this crisis. Maybe, that's not TMI. I travel pretty frequently every year. Whitney and I both do some conferences and food trade shows and wellness shows, and, and we do a fair amount of traveling year to year. And one thing I've noticed really consistently is that when I go into the men's bathroom, it's almost impossible for me to count how many men will go to the urinal and go to the bathroom, they'll urinate, and then they walk right out the door. And that's like a cliche. As women, we hear about that. But it happens, Whitney, 
a lot. I've always shuddered at that because it's like, okay, yeah, you're touching your own penis. You know where your penis has been, but all of the germs and bacteria and stuff that's backsplashing from the urinal onto your hands and your like, it's like, God, dude, just it's always, blown, mention, it's always blown my mind that guys don't do that. It's like, sh- what are you thinking? And then shouldn't you the also <laughs> shouldn't you also be washing your hands before you touch your penis? Like, imagine what's on your hands, and then you're putting it direct skin contact. Well, that's a very good point, actually. <laughs> that's a very good right? point. The pre, we, I mean, the pre-penis touch wash and the post-penis touch. Especially wash. right now. I mean, I don't know exactly how it works. Like, I don't know if you can contract the virus if you touched your unwashed hands to your penis. I mean, potentially you could, right? I, I don't know. It depends what part of your penis you're touching, I suppose. Oh right? <laughs> this is why our, our podcast is marked as explicit, by the way, so we can talk about these things and say these words without offending anybody, hopefully. Although it's funny if you'd be offended by the word penis when it's such a... It's a very I've, clinical word. It's the... Exactly. Scientifically, we could use phallus. <laughs> If you come into contact, if the epidermal layer of your fingers, your phalanges, touch your phallus, <laughs> then perhaps would you like us to use the ultimate scientific language? Uh. Whatever it may be. I think it's interesting with the hand washing because, again, it's something that we've taken for granted. But we also, a lot of people, I feel like we're just not aware of how infrequently they wash their hands, myself included. And the impact of that, right? I mean, if that's the big thing that's going to supposedly help us stay healthy, it's such an easy thing to do. And I uh, agree with your point, Jason, about how hopefully this will be a ripple effect. Maybe our health will improve as a society because we're aware of these basic things. Yeah. The other situation I wanted to bring up too that I'm I feel hesitant to engage with moving forward. And I've sat with this because I was talking to my mom, Susan, why check in with her every day to see how her and my family back in Detroit, Michigan are doing because so far away from them in terms of physical, like extreme physical distance. I don't know that this notion is necessarily me defaulting into hypochondria, like hypochondriac type of behavior. But I think about salad bars and I think about hot bars And I think about everyone's hands going into the salad bars, like at Whole Foods or Lassen's or or Sprouts or whatever they have, you know, the hot bar and the do-it-yourself salad bars. And now I'm just kind of like, man, I don't know. There's a part of me that's just like all the hands and arms that are going into those tongs and those food bins all day, every day. And it just, I don't know. There's a part of me that gets like heebie-jeebies when I think about it. Mm -hmm. Well, it also explains why restaurants that, I would imagine Subway is probably closed. Chipotle, I think, may have closed down for this. You know, some restaurants have stayed open and done takeout only. And technically, a restaurant like Subway and Chipotle are takeout. I suppose you can eat inside there, but most people are taking it to go. And I know at least one of those types of chains closed down for the time being. It's really interesting, but it makes sense because all of that food is just sitting out all day. Yes. Right. You go yes. and you can uh, take whatever, you know, you don't go down the line and they ask you what foods. I wonder if sweet green, like I'm thinking of all these chains, like I love those type of, it's not you're making it yourself, but you get to customize it. Yeah. I believe they call and this so, the fast casual is the category of these restaurants. And does that specifically mean that you're at fast casual must mean more than like customizing your dishes and that stuff. I, I like think I'm that, thinking yeah. like, Chipotle, Subway, these salad places like Sweetgreen, 
And also the one in particular that I know shut down temporarily is BB Bop, which is this incredible Asian fast casual restaurant where you can go and customize bowls and they're really passionate about wellness. So I was actually surprised that they closed, but then I reflected on it and it's probably because that food is exposed to open air all day, right? Yeah, or, yeah. or actually, I'm speaking out of ignorance here. It's also possible that they just didn't want to put their workers at risk, right? I mean, who knows all these factors, these considerations that have gone into pausing restaurant operations for the time being. But the whole point of bringing this up is just really thinking about all of these different ways that we're impacted by one another. And I think that's really the overarching theme of this is that as a world, we interact in so many different ways that could elevate our health and put us our health at risk. And then there's all the different financial elements of it, right? And it's a great opportunity to step back, reevaluate what we're doing as individuals, and then all of the amazing people that are around us and supporting us and the things that they're doing, whether it's a nurse or a midwife or a doctor or even the people at the restaurants, right? I mean, in a lot of ways, we're putting our health in their hands because anybody that's worked in a restaurant knows it's not always the cleanest environment. And I think actually one big plus side of all of this is that restaurants, cafes, any place where you would get food or drinks, they are being extra clean and extra attentive and putting in all these new practices or enforcing practices that may have been kind of lenient before. And that makes me feel more comfortable. I was actually kind of grateful for this when it first started happening. I was looking forward to going out to eat because I thought, gosh, they're probably being so careful right now that it's just like not that big of a risk anymore. Right. And I want to comment on that because not to freak anyone out, but having come out of culinary school almost 15 years ago and spent the first few years of my career uh, working in professional kitchens, in cafes and restaurants and whatnot, there were some practices that I observed that were not <laughs> the most hygienic or the most mindful to the health of the customer. Because when you get a deluge of tickets, when you get a flood of tickets and, and in the restaurant industry, in the, in the back of the house, that's also known as the kitchen, we call that being in the weeds. I'm in the weeds, man. I'm in the weeds. Where you have a ton of tickets and you have so many dishes to plate and it's the middle of Saturday night dinner service. If something gets dropped on the floor, oftentimes it would be dusted off and put back on the plate, to be blunt. I mean, there's a lot worse than that. But to your point, Whitney, I think that this is a wonderful opportunity for professional food establishments to take food safety to a completely different level. And I applaud that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, because I think it is an area that didn't need to be improved. Having been in that industry and seen what goes on, there was a lot of room for improvement. Well, that also leads me to another advantage we have right now, or an opportunity, I should say, which is to slow down. And that was actually one feeling I've been experiencing a lot over the last few weeks is this sigh of relief thinking the whole world feels like it's operating slower, more consciously, more carefully more considerately. And we are in a time as human beings, many of us are just in that hustle culture, which we talk a lot about on this podcast because Jason and I are both kind of triggered by this idea of hustling and rushing around. This comes up for me hearing you talk about the restaurants. 
as um, not consumers or customers, but what's the term, Jason, for not a guest, but someone that goes into a restaurant is a... Oh, a patron. Yeah, I suppose. That wasn't... I feel like there's no. another word I was looking for here. Anyways, you know what I'm saying. We call, we call them guests, though, in the, in the restaurant industry. It's like, oh, we seat your guests. So, I mean, <laughs> right. technically that is... But I, I'm sure you were thinking of a completely different word. Right. It'll come to me. But anyway, so when you're going into an establishment, it's funny how there are certain places that pride themselves in being fast, right? Just as you said earlier, it's like a fast casual. How quickly can we get these people in and out of the restaurant? You go through a drive through and it's actually remarkable how food comes through that rapidly at a drive through right? I don't go to that many drive throughs anymore except to get the Beyond Burger at certain <laughs> fast food places, maybe when I'm on the road or in a complete rush and that's the best option for me. But you go in and you get a burger within like a couple minutes. If you really step back, it's a little odd. And there's this whole idea of a lot of restaurants is I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be fed in this amount of time or my lunch break is only this long or or I've got to go to some other plans. I've, you know, And we're just in this mode of rushing in so much of our lives and with when it comes to food. And there's a ripple effect to that, right? So here you are saying, Jason, like the practices behind the scenes at restaurants might make us cringe, but we're also part of the problem if we're expecting them to rush that quickly. If we feel entitled to a fast meal, well, what do we think is going to happen? Of course, mistakes are going to be made when things are rushed around. And so maybe we also have a great opportunity, whether you work in a restaurant or you're just a guest at a restaurant, to really rethink your role. And is it necessary to be in that much of a rush? Wouldn't you rather your health be taken into consideration very carefully then have somebody feel like they have to rush, otherwise they're going to lose their job or they're going to lose your patronage, right? And I think this applies to many things, but specifically, it felt like a good opportunity to talk about that. Oh, 100%. I think that not just in terms of our food choices, but certainly as you talked to Whitney about the hustle culture and the level of stress, anxiety, and burnout that has become completely and totally socially acceptable. I want to say for American culture, because that's where we live in the United States. But I think in a lot of developed countries, there's just this mentality. That's just what you do. Your self-care, your personal needs, taking care of yourself is secondary to being a member of the workforce, being a, quote, productive member of the workforce. And right now, as so many of us are unemployed or laid off or, I mean, there's a variety of situations. Furloughed furloughed. There's so many people that are facing an extreme uncertain career future or financial future. I think it is an opportunity to examine, have we been blindly sprinting towards some illusory brass ring of, hey, once I make six figures or seven figures, or once I make, we talk about this all the time, but it bears repeating, You know, once I get a certain size house in that zip code or buy the certain car or have all of these material or numerical signifiers of societal or cultural success, I will have, quote, made it. And how many of us have, us as in general humans, have been on this hamster wheel of perhaps ignoring our physical needs, our emotional needs, our mental needs, our spiritual needs, indentured servitude to this idea that we, he or she who burns themselves out the quickest gets the gold medal. And I hope that And I don't mean to be dismissive of people who are in an extreme, 
terrifying financial or health situation. That's not my intention here. But I would hope, as I watch this video from Eckhart Tolle on Facebook, I think we can link to that in the show notes as well. It's a phenomenal about 20-minute video from Eckhart Tolle. Could you summarize that? I saw you post it and I haven't watched it yet. I would love yeah. to know your takeaways from that too. And did you finish your takeaways from that article or did we get off on a tangent? Uh, I didn't, but I can go back to that quickly because <laughs> okay, this is the nature of our that. podcast. If this yes. is your first time listening to This Might Get Uncomfortable, welcome to This Also Might Get Tangential. <laughs> <laughs> if This Might Get Uncomfortable and Tangential, but we always bring it back, dear listener. We so, try to. I don't know we, if we always do, to be honest. Do we? Maybe we leave hanging indents here and there. Perhaps we do. <laughs> Eckhart you can Tolle. always remind us in the comments and say, hey, you know, you didn't finish talking about this. Could you address it in the next episode? And we yes. will certainly try our best. That's why we love communicating with you in the comments section of our show notes and on social media. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle, uh, again, he's been around for a long time now with The Power of Now and A New Earth, phenomenal author. And really, his, I believe his anchor teaching is the power of presence, really being truly anchored in and connected and non-resistant in the present moment. And this video on Facebook that we'll link to the show notes at wellevator.com, he talks about in summary that this is the perfect time for spiritual awakening and not in a woo-woo pedantic sense, but literally anything that you've been ignoring, anything that you've been pushing to the side, anything that you have been stuffing down and not giving attention to in your life. This is the time where it's going to be come up to be dealt with because for those of us in most of the world, or at least in large metropolitan areas, we're at home with ourselves. Perhaps we're with our spouses, perhaps we're with our families, but whatever it is, his point was that we haven't been facing. We are now being asked and we have an opportunity to face ourselves. And for a lot of people who've never done that before, that can be extremely confronting and extremely disturbing. But his point is that this is necessary for our development and our awakening, our global awakening, the flowering of consciousness, I believe that, as he put it. And I believe that too. I, I mean, I certainly am getting to look at my relationship to security, financial security. I'm getting to look at my relationship to my career. And I think there are certain things that I just haven't been in alignment with. And you know this, Whitney. We've talked about this on previous episodes regarding identity. We can link to that previous episode in the show notes as well. But again, in summary, Eckhart is basically saying, like, take this time to go deep within yourself and address any things you've been ignoring, stuffing down, turning away from, and look at those things. And if you find yourself projecting fear into the future, remind yourself that in this moment, what is your state of being? Where are you? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have water? Do you have food? Do you have contact with loved ones? Are you safe? Are you sick right now? Because a lot of people are, I might be broke and destitute in the future. I might run out of money. I might catch the coronavirus and die. And his whole point is, where are you right now in this very moment? How do you feel? Where are you? Are you, you know, what's going on in your present? And so his whole thing is like, look, use this as a presence practice and an opportunity to see clearly what is and to anchor yourself in present moment reality. It's really powerful. And he has such a great cadence and way of speaking that's very comforting too. But you wanted me to go back to the Yuval Noah Harari article as well as we as yes. tie up that loose end. His whole point is also that in order to make it through this, that we have to come together globally and that so far there's been kind of this splintering of nations working independently and that 
the other choice that we face as humanity right now is between nationalist isolation and global solidarity and global unity. And his whole point is that the epidemic, the coronavirus we're talking about, and the resulting economic and societal crises are global problems. They're not national problems. It's a global issue, a humanistic problem, and that they can only be solved effectively by global cooperation. And that in order to defeat the virus, that we need to share information and resources globally. That his whole position is that's the advantage we have over viruses, that a coronavirus strain in China and a coronavirus strain in the US can't swap tips or hacks about how to infect humans better. But we in the US and China and Italy and Tehran can teach each other valuable lessons about the coronavirus and how we're all dealing with it. So say an Italian doctor in Milan discovers in the early morning tomorrow how to save lives more efficiently or a way to allay the virus, he can relay that to Tehran or Washington the next day, right? And the UK government might hesitate between several public policies. It could get advice from Korea, who have faced a similar dilemma like a month ago, right? That they've already overcome that. But his point is, we're not acting globally right now. And for us to actually come through this as a human race, we have to engender a spirit of global cooperation and trust and sharing medical kits, sharing respiratory machines, getting a coordinated global effort and humanize this more. And so it's just really interesting because it's such a phenomenally well-written article. And his whole thing is, in summary, at the end, he says, humanity needs to make a choice. Will we collectively travel down the road of disunity or will we adopt a new path of global solidarity? If we choose disunity, this will not only pull, prolong our current crisis, but it will probably result in even worse catastrophes for our future. But if we choose global solidarity and unity, it will be a victory not only against the coronavirus, but against potentially all future epidemics and societal crises that may assail humankind in the 21st century and beyond. So in summary, he's calling for unity right now. And that it's not about, oh, we're doing better over here in the US than China or you guys, like coming together and sharing all of these resources. And I agree with his position. I think it's a time for that more than ever. Absolutely. And very eloquent too. I think it is an amazing opportunity for us to feel more connected to one another because we can feel so separate and it can be this feeling of us versus them and disconnect from what other people are going through out the world. The other thing that I'd love to touch upon briefly, especially because this hits close to home for you, Jason, is homelessness. And this is something that people brought up to me when I was reaching out to my community to find out what people were going through and what they needed. And a number of people said that they didn't have a home. And it really brought up for me, it shined a light basically on my ignorance. And I, I started doing some research to see what cities and different parts of the world were doing to help the homeless right now because they're incredibly vulnerable. And I think it, it's another opportunity, right? It's not just to think about people that live in different parts of the world. It's an opportunity to think about and learn about people that are living differently than you, meaning people that are maybe more at risk with their health or people that don't have homes, people that are in different economic brackets, people that don't have access to education. It shine light on people that may rely on school systems just to get a meal, right? And people that are going hungry and don't know what to do. And, and all the different ways that people are affected 
helped me understand the state of the world in a whole new light. Wow. So eloquently stated, Whitney, that for us to have compassion and perspective that our reality is not the reality that is shared by everyone, that there are extremely vulnerable people, and not just in terms of the elderly or immunocompromised, but people who are not housed, or people that are on food stamps, or people that are economically oppressed in many ways. And, and to your point, having had a father who was homeless for many, many years, who is now passed, I do think about that because who's distributing soap and hand sanitizers to the homeless? And here in downtown Los Angeles, you know, we have Skid Row and we have hundreds and hundreds of people housed in tents and in very close quarters, definitely not taking the recommended six foot physical distancing because it's tent after tent after tent after tent. And it makes me think about the care. I mean, th this is such a complex issue and, and I hope that it helps us reevaluate our system of caring for these individuals of our society even more so because here in LA and in San Francisco, New York, many parts of the US and large cities, I feel like the homelessness issue was kind of swept under the rug for the most part. Like, eh, we're just going to like let the tent city keep growing and not really address it. But now we kind of have no choice but to address it because that's a significant part of our population that is not going addressed with proper healthcare or cleaning opportunities. And what do we do with them? Do we just ignore them? It's such a complex issue. And it's obviously, as you said, Whit, yeah. And part of the point here is not to ignore people anymore. We can't turn our backs on people at this point. I mean, actually, we technically can do that, but it's more in our face than ever. And it's not just about us as individuals. It's also about the government and the government needing to address these things. It's also an amazing opportunity for us to look at how the government is treating us at this time and treating other people. And it just really brings a lot of things into our awareness, into our consciousness, into our hearts. And I think that's another big benefit and an opportunity for each of us to think about what we can do. A lot of us feel helpless. We feel helpless for our own health. And we may feel more helpless than ever being in our homes and isolated from one another. But what we can do is get online and educate ourselves and find ways to take action. And what we can do is turn our attention away from the daily superficial things that we may, may be used to doing and really reflect on what's most important to us and how we can contribute to society. So for me, that is what World Health Day is an opportunity for. It's all about raising awareness, showing gratitude, and figuring out ways to support one another. Yes, beautiful, Whitney. I also want to say about the distraction, isn't it interesting that so many of our largest industries that yes, are built on entertainment, but there's a fine line between entertainment and distraction, depending on how we use these mediums, sports, the Olympics, going out to movies, live concerts, large gatherings of people, festivals have all been canceled or postponed. And it's not to say intrinsically that people use these things as distractions, but they do. And I think that as these entertainment industries and ways of societally accepted distractions are removed, it's forcing us to look at all of these extremely uncomfortable things, how we're treating one another, the divisiveness and separation in our world, perhaps instability of our financial system, the corruption or misuse of political power in our world. I mean, there's so many things that, yes, 
it's like deep breath. It feels overwhelming, but perhaps because we're looking at it in a more intimate and deep and visceral way than we ever have because those distractions aren't available to us now. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap up this episode, Jason, is there anything else that you want to touch upon on this subject matter? I think that I've I've kind of summarized it and the importance of being more mindful is really what this all means for me and getting involved, thanking people, sharing things on social media, calling people that that work in healthcare, being incredibly grateful for them, seeing what's going on and what they're struggling with. Can you support them in some way? What do they need? And then also thinking about what the rest of the world needs at this time, raising your awareness and thinking about what can you do right now? And also, what can you do in the future as this goes on? How can you integrate world health into your daily mindset? I think that's a wonderful summary, Wit. And I just want to make a final point too that in terms of paying it forward and, and our generosity and sharing with each other, I know there's a lot of fear right now. And I, I definitely want to bring that forward in a, a new episode, just talking about how to navigate fear specifically. And then the spiritual, psychological dynamics of fear, we'll save that for another exploration here on the podcast. But if you have plenty of water and plenty of paper products and plenty of food and you have more, one thing that I've been thinking about is you know taking food and water donations and paper product donations to some local food banks that may serve the homeless or may serve uh, first responders and paying that forward. So if you, dear listener, are in a position where you feel um, very abundant and very taken care of and anchored in trust right now and, and your needs are met. I encourage you to look in your local area to see what organizations could benefit the homeless or the vulnerable or the first responders in your area and pay that abundance forward because it's so important that we move just beyond our needs. Once we put the oxygen mask on ourselves first, of course, how do we support and give forward to others that are also in need? Beautiful. Well, I'm glad that we touched upon this today and we'd love to hear from you, the listener, what you're doing today, what your thoughts are how you're getting involved, how you're feeling. So I think the best way to get in touch with us on this subject is through social media. Our handle is at Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. We're on all the major social media platforms and we'd love to connect with you. If you have any posts based on the hashtags we mentioned earlier for World Health Day, for supporting nurses and midwives, we'd love to see your content. We may even share it on our social media. So please tag us. You can direct message us if you want to talk to us privately. You can email us. Our email is hello at wellevator.com. And wellevator.com is also where you can find the show notes we talked about earlier for this episode. So in terms of increasing your awareness and educating yourself, you can go into every single episode. You can read the articles we've mentioned, watch the videos. All of that is there for you if you just go to the podcast section of our website, or you can go directly to it at podcast dot wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. Thank you so much for listening. And we're wishing you the best of health today and always. Until next time, take very good care of yourself. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.